Welcome to the Shoot This Now podcast. My name is Tim Malloy. My name is Matt Donnelly. Matt Donnelly, what do we do every week on the Shoot This Now podcast? Every week we talk about ideas that have not been made into film or television, but we think for damn sure should be made into film or television, and there's a doozy this week. And if you've ever wondered why Stockholm Syndrome is called Stockholm Syndrome, today's episode is the episode for you. I'm really excited about this episode. It's one of the ones I've wanted to do from the very start. We're finally going to. A little bit of housekeeping. We learned from our last episode, um, the Dear David Victory Lap episode, that you do not like it when we brag, when we successfully... Um, predict yeah. that things are going to be made into movies. It appears you don't want to see two podcasts for showing off. You do want to hear ideas from for ideas that should be made into film or TV. So we're going to give you that. We're also, going to dive right into it. We're going to skip the fact yeah. that we also predicted that there'd be an Anna Delphi movie. Which and that there's going to be a streaming series from Shonda Rhimes. Not uh, an indie. Not a cheap horror. A Shonda Rhimes Netflix series. That was an easy one to predict. That yeah. was definitely going to happen. That was in motion. Uh, but we're happy it did. This week, we have Stockholm Syndrome, oh, an origin story. Yes. Uh, as you may know, if you're a longtime listener, we are big fans of Jeffrey Tubin. Um, besides being a guy who shows up on CNN to explain legal mm-hmm. concepts, he yeah. also writes great books. Great books. He wrote the book that is the basis for the fantastic O.J. Simpson show on FX that everybody loved a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wrote a book called American Heiress, which was going to be made into a show, I believe, but Pat, uh, mm-hmm. Patricia Hearst, the American heiress in question, objected, um, and so everybody yeah. backed off, and it's not happening. It was actually a feature oh. um, that fell apart really late in the game. I believe at Fox Searchlight, um, but yeah, that happened really, really late in the game, and that's uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's sad because it's riveting. Well, I read the book, and I've been mining it for material on this podcast. Uh-huh. And in one section of the book, they talk about Stockholm syndrome, the phenomenon of people who are captives sympathizing with their captors, which it is said is exactly yes. what happened with Patricia Hearst. In 1974, she was kidnapped by a crazy group mm-hmm. called the Symbionese Liberation Front. Um, rolls off the tongue. Rolls right off the tongue. They were nuts. Read the book. Um, we also refer to them a little bit in our episode on Angela Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, the 70s are a major sweet spot for me. Yeah. Um, I love stories from the 70s. Angela Davis, Patty Hearst, and Stockholm Syndrome, the story we're telling today, all happen at roughly the same time. Yeah. Um, one reason I love the 70s so much is mm. it's a decade that is super weird and everything goes completely off the rails. And right now that's happening. Yeah, maybe we're having a uh, sort of a redawn of that kind of del- delirious, insane... It, it feels to me... Like the 70s, like right now, everybody's sort of trying to contain things and saying, you can't do that. Yeah. That's not allowed. Right. Don't say things like that. Don't da, 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 sort of policing mm. each other all the time. And I feel like the 70s is a decade where even the establishment just threw up its hands and went like, forget it. Yeah. The network news anchor has sideburns. Like rich ladies in Beverly Hills are going to yoga. That's still happening, of course. Yeah. But that was like when it first At started At the time, happening. it was, yeah. Everything was an entree to the devil, really. Everything was like, this society's falling apart. Instead of, you know, trying to resist the way that things were going and police it, everybody in the 70s, I feel in retrospect, just said, okay, I guess this is what's happening now. I'll get a pet rock. We're doing this today, yeah. Uh, disco? Fine. Colts? Cool. Okay. Um, and I like that. 
Yeah. I think it's really cool. I yeah. think it's a really cool decade. And also, I think that Stockholm Syndrome is something that people really latch on to and, and often filter into like maybe some of their interpersonal relationships. And the first time it really enters the American consciousness is with Patty Hearst. And the mm-hmm. uh, image of her... Um, Hold it, and what Patty Hearst wound up doing was helping this this group rob a bank. And there's a security footage image of her in a skirt and combat boots and a beret holding a machine gun. And she was one of the last vestiges of American society. Like the Hearst family was still a huge deal. Um, they, the Hearst Castle Hill in California with the Olympus Pool is one of the biggest symbols of American power. There is no better shorthand for the establishment going completely with the hippies and the radicals than Patricia Hearst with that machine gun. Yeah, that image is just indelible for American history, or cultural history, I think. But this story is a story of Sweden, I think. That all began, Tim. (laughs) Known as a very calm, well-adjusted, rather unflappable country. Yeah. um, Where they decided to try something pretty pretty woke. Pretty... Making fun of the word woke again. Um, Woke in Swedish means like an egg with ketchup. Woke in five. Woke in ketchup, yeah. Um, um, we love you, Sweden, by the way. I love Sweden so much. I've been there twice. Mm. It's the best. Um, but a young man walks into a bank, and in their efforts to be progressive and cool, the Swedes give in to all of his demands. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what happens. I've actually written this story out in Beats. Okay. Uh, y- your role is to make fun of me throughout this um, <laughs> well, and try to throw me off course. And let's before we jump into your to beats by Tim. That was a beats by Dre Joe. Um, let's help out our dear listener. Right, these actors have confusingly similar Swedish names. So instead of using those Swedish names throughout, we're going to also identify the actors we think should play them. So yes, yeah, so we're going to give you the casting up front, which we normally never do. Just so you can keep them straight in your head. Got it's it. going to be so much easier. Because if I kept saying, then Jan Eric Olsen did this, and then Clark Olafsson did this, and then the yeah. Prime Minister Olaf <laughs> Olafsson did then this. Then you'd be like, pause Netflix Charlotte Rampling series. I don't want to hear any of this nonsense anymore. So we're doing y'all a favor. Yes, we really are. All right. So Jan Eric Olsen, a.k.a. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Now, Bill Bill Skarsgård played the clown in It, but without the clown makeup. He's a very handsome, kind of mischievous-looking Swedish actor. We think he'd be a really good bank robber. Yes, Mr. Bill Skarsgård is one of our leads. I like when movies just start, and this movie just starts with Jan-Erik Olsen, Bill Skarsgård, walking into the credit banking. He's got his gun. Police come in after him, seeing his gun. He shoots one in the hand, Ugh. he tells the other to sit down, and he commands him, sing something. So he's robbing the bank. He's robbing the bank. There you go. Uh, and he's taking control of this situation hard. He takes four hostages, um, he locks them in the vault, and then he makes a series of demands. Okay. What he, are Bill Skarsgård's demands? Bill Skarsgård's demands are three million Swedish kroner. Okay. Kroner is currency, for uh, those that don't know. Two guns, vests, helmets... And a fast car. <gasps> a la Tracy Chapman. He wants a fast car. <laughs> um, I don't know how much three million kroner is, but I know that when I was I'll in Sweden... I'll translate it while you give us more beats. And also, you have to translate to 1973 dollars. Oh, that was inflation. like two levels of math yeah. problems, oh, so I didn't God. do it. All right. But I'm, if you can do I'm, that, that's I went awesome. I to college. Go ahead. Um, he also has another demand. He wants the release of a friend he met in prison a few years earlier. Okay. This prisoner is like the coolest guy ever. Um, as a 2018 heterosexual male, I feel comfortable calling this guy dreamy. In the oh, pictures, he's so dreamy. He is dreamy. 
He has like the Jesus Christ hair that was popular then. He has a scar over his left eye. And we think he can only be played by one man. And that man is... Army Hammer. Army Hammer. Army How... Hammer in the roughed up zone. Long hair, beard. <laughs> He's yeah. going to look... Kind of like um, Army Hammer went on Walden Pond for two months. <laughs> uh, or maybe Ar- Army Hammer went to prison and didn't have any of his products or his lotions or his powders. And we've got beard, wild hair... Like like day three Robert Pattinson look. Picture Army Hammer Jesus hair with a scar over his left eye, and you have got Clark Olafson. This is my movie. I'm not touching his face. The scar goes. <laughs> so you understand why Bill Skarsgård uh, was so enamored of his friend yeah. Clark Olafson, mm-hmm. who again, th- there are pictures of him being arrested years before this even happened, mm-hmm. where he's like with his like swinging. Austin Powers' girlfriend by his side <laughs> and is getting arrested by a cop who looks just like Peter Skarsgård. Yeah, it's true. He's like, it's like it's like the most fashionable criminal ever. Totally. And I just want to say quickly, um, there was an amazing awards movie that we showed as part of our foreign screening series last year called The Racer and the Jailbird with Matthias Schoenertz and Adele Exarchopoulos from okay. The Blue is the Warmest Color. And it's a sort of, uh, it's set in modern day, but it's about a criminal, organized crime in, in Sweden um, and there are a couple of these very famous, highly glamorous sort of bank robbers and, and mafioso types that captivated the country, not unlike the way um, celebrity ca- captivated America during the age of the weekly magazine. So this is in, built into the cultural consciousness that criminals are really sexy and cool. Sweden has a credit bank and criminal cool. Yeah, it does. It's, a na- it's in the national identity, I swear. The pop, the pop gangster. Yeah. And there are a lot of these pop gangsters. And again, this guy played by Army, is the first pop gangster. So understandably, the Bill Skarsgård character, Jan Eric Olsen, wants this guy to come join him and help him with the bank robbery. The cops hand deliver his friend from prison where he becomes his accomplice. Um, Of course, they're going to present it as, oh yeah, we're letting him be sort of a liaison between the police and the bank and the hostage taker. Um, but really, he's just gotten another bank robber. So he has reinforcements. They he also demanded, remember, guns, vests, helmets, and a car. And a fast car. This is how liberal Sweden is at the time. Uh-huh. So they agree to the car. They agree that they can leave in the car. The prime minister of Sweden gets on the phone because he's apparently a bit of a micromanager and like personally negotiates with bank robbers. <laughs> and he says, while well, you guys can leave in the car, you can't take any hostages with you in the car. By the way, all of this is happening over six days. This goes on and on for an incredible amount of time where the hostages are, are under their control. Um, Bill Skarsgård is on the phone with the prime minister. Um, he's demanding that they be allowed to leave in their fast car uh, with hostages. The prime minister's only point of concern is you can't take hostages with you. You can just take the car yeah. we gave you. So you got to get them like a Maserati or something that's, like a, something that's only a, t- like a Lambo. Something only two seats. Maseratis have more than two seats, I guess. The prime minister, being a really cool, laid-back <laughs> prime minister, is like, we gave you a fast car. We broke your friend out of jail. You're free what to go. What else do you want? Yeah. <laughs> what else do you want? The spoiled hostage taker, Bill Skarsgård, mm-hmm. is like, is it Skarsgård or Sarsgård? Skarsgård. Okay, Skarsgård is like, no, not fair. I get to take hostages with me. He grabs one of the hostages in a stranglehold. The prime minister can hear her screaming, and they hang up the phone. As her, The last thing he hears is this woman screaming, and then click. Next day, there's a call from one of the hostages. 
who is extremely mad. Her name is Kristen Enmark, and she is mad at the Prime Minister. Twist. <laughs> She's not mad at her hostage takers. No. She is mad at the Prime Minister. She's worried that the police are going to botch the job. She says she feels completely comfortable with her captors. By the way, who wouldn't feel completely comfortable with the captors? The captors are Bill Skarsgård. An army fucking hammer. Beautiful guys. I would like, like, if you took away the vault and you put a beach, it would be like my <laughs> dream last night. Like, <laughs> or maybe a ski chalet and we're snowed in. I don't know. Can you read the statement that Enmark made to Olaf Palm, the prime minister? She said, I think you are sitting there playing checkers with our lives. I fully trust Clark and the robber. I am not desperate. They haven't done a thing to us. On the contrary, they've been very nice. But you know, Olaf, what I'm scared of is that the police will attack us and cause us to die. One thing I like there is that she considers Clark, who's kind of the robber's assistant, I guess, to be different than the robber. Yeah, interesting. Um, she doesn't see she doesn't see Army as one of the robbers. She sees Army as like somebody working with Bill the robber. Also, I love how she's um, signaling that she's not at all intimidated because she says, but you know Olaf. <laughs> like, allegedly, that's <laughs> first his name. name. Yeah, first name basis with your prime minister. Um, and then another hostage says that um, Bill Skarsgård, I feel terrible that we're blaming all these things on the actor Bill Skarsgård, who I'm sure is lovely, um, but at one point his character said that he was planning to shoot him to show the police he meant business, but he said, don't worry, I'll make sure uh, we don't kill you and we'll get you drunk first. Oh, my God. So we're just going to shoot you. No murder. No NBD. No big deal. <laughs> and you'll be drunk. <laughs> it's fine. It's like when they make Johnny Depp walk the plank in every single Caribbean movie. <laughs> Don't worry. Actually, what's funny, people call those pirates movies, and I just said Caribbean. Maybe I'm just like in a Rihanna state of mind. I like that. Yeah. So <laughs> they're trapped with these guys who they completely sympathize with. They now sympathize with their captors more than they sympathize with the police. Mm -hmm. The police drill a hole through an apartment upstairs so they can take photos. By the way, God bless um, Swedish banks in the 70s that there's just an apartment above the bank that you can drill a goddamn hole through the floor at. Like today? Yeah. Like they, they don't have windows. It, it's like, uh, I don't know. That they're, seems like a real lapse in, in planning. If you have a, if some old lady... In a you know an above floor apartment like it's, I don't know. Here's the thing: if you think that people are a little too fascist now, mm -hmm. um, and that the '80s were a rough decade and there was too much of a crackdown and too tough on crime and things like that, the yeah. reason why is the 1970s when they were doing experimental things like giving fast cars to bank robbers, yeah. breaking your friend out of prison and mm -hmm. delivering him to you, really. Frankly, crazy Putting shit. a humble one-bedroom above a national credit bank, you know. Yeah. That kind of stuff. People had terrible Can't ideas. Can't blame it all in the 70s? I don't know. Well, I mean, the 50s were a very tough decade, a yeah. very law-and-order decade. Mm -hmm. The 60s, things sort of break down. And in yeah. the 70s, the authorities go, let's make some concessions and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. In the 80s, they make a hard turn mm. back the other way. Um, so this stuff would probably not happen in the 80s. Although maybe it would happen They're in like, Sweden. like, you know what? Let's hold on to let go. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say I think Sweden is the most idyllic. I do want to say I think Sweden is the most idyllic place I've ever been. Yeah. I think their approach to things is generally I think good. It's either Denmark is the number one happiest place in the world, but Sweden is like right next to it or something. Even though it's really cold, people are really well behaved and mm -hmm. really considerate of each other. I and they're all gorgeous. What's that? They're all gorgeous. That's all that really matters. Well, I mean, the bank robbers, I mean, the yeah. criminals are handsome. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
when I when I think back to my time in Sweden that I visited, a friend told me as we walked around Stockholm, um, we walked by a homeless person. He said, oh, yeah, this homeless person is so-and-so and named him by name. And was mm-hmm. like, he used to be a pretty famous musician, and now he's homeless. And I was like, that's amazing. And he's like, you can keep track of all the homeless people because there's 5,000 homeless people in all of Sweden. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, I believe that. I don't know if that's true, but that's what my friend believed when he was there. So that's okay. a testament to how... <laughs> <laughs> to how under control Sweden has things. Got it. Um, okay, so we're still here. Police have drilled a hole in the apartment to take a picture of these guys. Um, Olsen, Bill Skarsgård, mm-hmm. is so upset by all of this activity, he's telling police, you know what, if you put gas through that hole or gas through anything, we're going to kill all the hostages. So another day goes by, the cops do use gas, and being the gentleman bank robber, pop gangsters that they are, yeah. um, Olsen... And his friend Olafsson um, just surrender. Yes, Skarsgård and Army Hammer surrender, so, which is a great, beautiful scene because maybe that they're like wearing like open shirts with vests, <laughs> <laughs> like the Gibb brothers. All of the hostages are very sorry yes. to see them go. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they go to jail. Uh, later, Olafsson. Later, Olafsson, uh, Army Hammer, uh, becomes good friends with Kristen and and Merck. God, becomes good friends with Kristen and Mark. The phone call lady. The phone call lady. Um, they their families become friends. Everything is cool with them. Olson, Bill Skarsgård, gets lots of letters from female admirers in prison. Nice. Um, this is just how things are. And what's the final scene of our movie? Well. In March 1975, uh-huh. not even two years after he was arrested, uh-huh. Clark Olofsson, Army Hammer, escapes from prison yeah. <laughs> and robs a bank in Copenhagen. And moves to the coast of Italy where he meets young Timothy Chalamet <laughs> and awakenings are discovered. Never telling him about his previous life as a <laughs> Swedish bank robber. Um, I would love to see this movie. Yeah, I'd love to see it too. And also, um, uh, well, tell me, you tell me why you would love to see the movie. Okay, that I was love, me. That was me buying time. If no one else could hear that, because you're still looking up the amount still, of a kroner. No, in actually, no, here's what I found out. T- today, t- uh, one kroner is worth twelve U.S. cents. Okay. There is a website where you can historically compare, but apparently I entered the numbers wrong and I just can't do it. So, if by today's standards, three million kroner would buy you almost four hundred thousand U.S. dollars. Okay, and that's four hundred thousand nineteen seventy three dollars. No, it's today. So that's so, modern day. All right, so day. he's asking for a reasonable amount. Yeah, of I would say I would say it's probably it was probably close to flirting with a million or like a, or like we would you would round up maybe seven six seven hundred thou. I think we as moviegoers see this the guy from it, Bill Skarsgård, yeah, uh, walk in and ask for a reasonable amount of money, some guns, some not vests, a curry, some cool not vests, a, not a like you know ten million in Bitcoin or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> helmets in a fast car, and we still find him pretty sympathetic. <laughs> we, ha- we have... One thing I like about this... Okay, you asked why I like this story. First of all, mm-hmm. it includes my favorite aesthetics. Okay. Um, it has the ice-cold Northern European aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, even though this is taking place in summer, it's very like Ikea. Um, also, it has the 1970s aesthetic that I love. It's combining those two aesthetics. Because when we think about the 70s, we think about the 70s in America. Sure. We forget that the 70s also occurred in other places. They did. So if you look at like... Oh my God, do you think someone had a better 70s than America? 
Because if so, we should make more movies about that 70s. I think Sweden had a pretty banging 70s. Who do you think had the most boring 70s? Canada? Ooh. <laughs> you know, X-Men comics spent a lot of time in the 70s um, in Canada. Cause really? Because from there. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And they made it look pretty cool. Okay. A lot of bell bottoms and cowboy hats. So they used Americana. Um. Yeah, I guess, but like Calgary okay. is kind that's of fair. kind of Canadian Texas. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. So yes, no, I agree. These are my, totally my aesthetics too. I, I love them, and um, I love the sort of coldness and inherent, not danger, but there's something a little edgy about Sweden because it's yeah. so controlled. Uh-huh. I think it sort of implies that if you scratch the surface, people have a lot more desire and uh, a lot more um, want. Yeah. And a lot more capability to not be so um, performatively good than yeah. they look like they do. Yeah, I think you can see why they would sort of appreciate um, criminals yeah. who, let's be clear, we don't think robbing banks no. is good. No. Or taking hostages is good. Uh, but you can understand yes. how sometimes, as gentlemen bank robbers became popular in America during the Depression, sure. these guys might have been kind of kind totally. of cool. And Max Martin, Swedish super producer of pop music of all your favorite pop songs didn't come along until about 20 years ago so they had no rock stars there's no there was like the, the well, Sweden they, they did who oh ABBA they had ABBA yeah but still those were pretty squeaky clean like they're like bad boys and girls yeah. and they're like we're, we're the bank robbers yeah um, uh, quick footnote if you yeah. love this aesthetic as much as I do mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend the movie The Bader Meinhof Complex oh jeez um, it's a drama crime film from Germany that takes you sort of behind the Berlin Wall in the 70s and 80s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a time period that you never see. You see these cars that you never saw because you're an American and yeah. you didn't have access to this stuff. Um, so that really is like a perfect example of like, oh, the 70s happened other places too. Totally. And you've also got like the cool like hipster criminals. They're also sort of um, they're also sort of socially conscious criminals or wannabe. They're anarchists. Yeah. Basically. Oh wow, jeez. Um, it's a good movie. Um, two things that I'm really attracted to by this. Uh, I believe it was Army Hammer's character walked around the during the entire hostage situation singing Roberta Flack's Killing Me Softly. Amazing. Um, so I think that that would be something we would see Army get to do the whole time, and then we should pay it the fuck off with a massive, swelling rendition yeah. for reverberating speakers of Roberta Flack's Killing Me Softly at the end, yeah. or doing a crucial scene. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I, I, I'm a nerd this way, but... I would really like to see a little bit, uh, either as a as bookends or as an opener or a closer, from the guy, the psychiatrist who was interested in this case, mm. and in the fact that the, that the hostages were sort of sympathetic to their captors, and the one who coined the term Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. His name, I'm going to totally butcher this, he was a criminologist named Niels Bechereau, Um He doesn't have Olaf anywhere in his name? No, he doesn't. So huh. he must be from somewhere else. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, he's the one who who studied this and um, and sort of coined it. So I would love to know what kind of methods he used, his processes, interviews. That's also if if you include this guy in the narrative, it's a great excuse to see interviews with the hostages. Oh, which we I love, love that. quick smashy cut interviews with the hostages. Like he kept singing this song by Roberta Flack, and then Aubrey would just sing it for five minutes. Um, well, I'm sure you saw Inside Job, the Spike Lee movie. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> as I remember it, the Spike Lee movie Inside Job, uh, which features Jodie Foster, it's a wonderful movie. Oh wait, Spike Lee directed that? Yeah. Isn't yeah. Gerard Butler in that too? Um, then I have. It's seen that it. guy who looks like Gerard Butler. Then I have seen it. Um, it's a good movie, and they do they do that with um, 
No, it isn't called Inside Job. Hang on. I think it's called Enemy Inside or Inside Enemy or in, mm, Enemy Within. Spike Lee. Let's Google during Jody the podcast. Foster. I am the podcast computer. We're Googling. Inside Man. Inside Man. The, the Spike Lee movie Inside Man actually does something like that where they're interviewing the hostages throughout yeah. the narrative. As Not I remember bad. doing kind of a Harry Met Sally thing where like you have people <gasps> doing interviews as the story unfolds. You know what I love about bagels? <laughs> and that could, I think that could work really well in your, um, in your version of it. So yeah. we, we basically tell the story chronologically. We have a flashback of the meeting in prison, probably. Probably. We might not even need yeah. one. To also, notice. by the way, Bill Skarsgård, when he did this, was on leave from prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess the way to make this is we use the beats that I just laid out. Yeah. But we can do all beats of the Tim. exposition and all of the backstory through the device you've just talked about yes. with interviews with Which the hostages. This, and this criminologist conducting his research that will lead him to the conclusion of an entire syndrome called you, Stockholm Syndrome. You can have one of the hostages say... You need to understand, he was a pop gangster. We knew who he was. We'd mm-hmm. seen him on TV. And yeah. then who was this gangster showing up in our bank, robbing us? Yeah. Like, or the woman who calls the prime minister, like, like after he has to take his hands off her neck, and he just says something like, you have no idea. They won't cooperate, and they're going to hurt all of us. And just, I would love to see how you slowly sort of uh, indoctrinate somebody that their interests are your interests, and everyone's going to out, get out safe. And if only the cops and the prime minister weren't so prohibitive and putting them in danger. I, I don't want to blame the victim, and obviously we'd have to fictionalize yeah. the things that we don't know, but was the hostage going along with this, like for the sake of... <laughs> Getting a, getting a more peaceful resolution. Great question. Like, maybe acting um, for the sake of ca- making sure that the hostage takers mm-hmm. get their demands so that this whole thing can be resolved more peacefully. Also, also I, I have to go, I, I read a lot more about the specifics of the psychology, but if you find your captor relatable, it might be a self-preservation instinct to uh, sort of see them as a surrogate friend or, or it's in your best interest to align with their goals. Like it's almost kind of like, um, you know, if someone's waving a gun in your face and saying that the cops don't do what you want, what are you going to say? You're going to say, oh, fuck those cops. They should come in here and yeah. give you what you want. You're cool. You're my friend. You know. What I mean? So I, I wonder yeah. how much of it is instinctually like, oh, I'm not going to anger you by excessively supporting you. Yeah. And we're seeing things your way. But I do think that Stockholm Syndrome is real and you, you probably cross the line. Yeah, one thing I like about the story is I think it really gets into the nature of how we're all kind of getting gaslit yeah. right now all the time. Right. Um, but I like that it's sort of apolitical because I think there's a sentiment that we're getting gaslit by the right. Yeah. Um, but the people involved here, the sort of bad actors, I mean, obviously the criminals themselves are bad actors, mm-hmm. but I think the government itself, which is coming from a very leftist perspective, um, a very sort of liberal, optimistic perspective, um, is probably in the wrong to have given them so much, to have cut them, you know, maybe stop with giving them the fast car. Maybe they shouldn't have given him a second, <laughs> a second <laughs> bank robber as reinforcements during the bank well, robbery. It's so funny so, you mentioned this. Can I say something super random? I started watching Nine One One, the Ryan Murphy Brad. Fauci yeah, series about show. emergency responders. And I, I think I just watched the pilot. And there's a moment where Angela Bassett is negotiating with two guys who have a little girl in custody because they'd broken into her house while she was home. Yeah. And her parents were out. And they're saying something about like wanting wanting a motorcycle or maybe the motorcycle. They came on and Angela Bassett says, absolutely. 
leave the little girl alone and you can get on your motorcycle. And then like as a viewer, I immediately jump to like, okay, who's waiting at the end of the block or how right. are they going to do this? And then he steps, he hands up the little girl, steps out and she shoots him. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. this is how it works. The, yeah. the criminals don't get what they want. But in a way I was like, that's kind of bullshit. She didn't honor her word. But I'm like, but he's a bad guy. She's a cop. I, I like these stories that are very hard to pin down yeah. politically because they like force us to think about everything. And how basically moralistic we can be sometimes. A guy just was like, you broke your promise, Angela Bassett, who's a police officer saving a child, by the well, way. But. Well, it's like when you tell a story a certain way, when you tell the story of like, these are the Democrats and these are the Republicans, yeah. you kind of go in having a particular allegiance. Sure. And when you go in with like, this is in another country, this is in another decade, um, there are no stakes for you personally. You're not right or wrong. Yeah. You can root for whoever you want to. Sure. It sort of makes you think about what you actually believe. And that's yeah. fun. Um, you know, I still love Sweden. Yes, we I love you, Sweden. I, I still think And that when I said fuck the police, it was about those cops. And I was speaking from another character. And I don't... I have a cop family. I love all of you. Those specific Swedish cops. <laughs> um, but, you know, I do like having my ideas challenged. And I do think it's kind of fun to, yeah. to look at it through that lens. Also... 70s clothes, 70s music, oh, smash cup montages, IC filter. You and I talked about directors. Do you remember who yeah. we thought? Um, first, the person who I really want to direct this is Stanley Kubrick oh. because he has that ice cold mentality and was just thriving in the 70s. Yeah. He's um, tech on a veil, as you've said in previous <laughs> podcasts. Um, yes. So we thought, okay. His hologram isn't ready yet, so <laughs> we've got to go. I And I said fin David Fincher. Which was, we th we talked about David Fincher, and then we decided this is actually too easy Way for David Fincher. Way too easy for him, yeah. Because he's done 70s, he's done Sweden. Mm -hmm. um, and then we just talked about stuff that we really admire that we've seen, and we came to the Black Mirror episode, Crocodile. Yes. And Googled the director of that episode, and, and it's a guy named John Hillcoat. The lovely John Hillcoat, who directed an underrated movie called Lawless in 2012, because it stars bad boy Shia LaBeouf, who was... Very overexposed and not behaving at that time. But that was one of Tom Hardy's first on-screen introductions in America. Sort of Jessica, it was one of the movies that came out during the year of Jessica Chastain when she had seven oh, wow. movies released in theaters and became an overnight star. Um, wow. So check it out. Hillcoat, it really knows attention. Um, and he doesn't have a sense of humor in a way that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this movie needs any sense of humor yeah. at all because the situation is so ridiculous on its own. Right. I mean... As soon as, as soon as they let the second bank robber come in, as soon as the police take the bank robber out of jail and deliver him to his bank robber friend, people are gonna like that oh would never God. happen. No, it's like it's like um, it's like a pit bull asking for a dragon. <laughs> this, is, this is also a story where, like the People versus O.J. Simpson, I think you need to stay very close to the facts. Yeah, very close to the mm -hmm. facts because people are gonna question everything they see on the screen because it's so outrageous. You just need to be able to go. No, 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 no. We followed the exact historic events. Yes. This is really what happened. No, you're wrong because all this happened, boo. All this happened. I've yeah. seen, there's movies that like I didn't like when I saw them because I was like, they just Hollywooded that up so much. That was absurd. That would never happen. Oh and then I God. go on Google and I'm like, oh, no, that happened. Um, I also, since you mentioned Tom Hardy, I just want to plug this movie because it was yeah. so good. Mm -hmm. We saw Warrior a couple weeks ago. Is that the boxing movie? It's a UFC movie. Oh. Where two brothers end up facing off for like a mixed martial arts. But isn't it set in the forties or something? No, it's set in the modern day. Um, and if I described the plot to you, you would go like, "This sounds like." The I mean, I just did describe the plot. It's okay. two brothers face off for a mixed martial arts championship and he in plays a steel cage. Both brothers. Um, no, Tom Hardy oh. is one brother. 
Um, their dad is Nick Nolte. Joel, Joel Edgerton plays the other brother. That's hilarious. It it's sounds good. like the worst movie. It sounds terrible. It's fantastic. Are you serious? It's so is there excellent. A, is there a woman lead? Um, she doesn't really get that much to do, but you she's don't say very good. in this movie. <laughs> Who is it? Um, she plays the wife of Joel Edgerton. It is Jennifer Morrison. She's oh, very I like good. Jennifer Morrison. She's very good. Huh. Um, everyone in it is very good. Nick Nolte is incredible. It's like, his uh, Mickey Rourke, the fighter role. 45 <laughs> minutes into this movie, my wife and I look at each other, realize we're like both in tears and <sighs> don't know, not like tears, tears, but like, but like on misty. the edge. Yeah. And are like, we stopped to Google whether he got the Oscar that year. Oh, my God. It's so good. By the way, in my defense, Tom Hardy did play both brothers that have been in a movie about two brothers in the 40s or 50s. So Hey, that's cool. Cool. Anyway, Warrior, yeah. really good. I don't know how I got okay. on this. I'm going to – I'll watch it. Um, I'll watch it. Um, you know what's going to be better, though? What? Is our movie. Our movie. Stockholm Do Syndrome. Do we have a title? An origin story. Stockholm. Um, I would see a movie called Stockholm. Yeah. I would see um, a movie called Ice Cold. Ice Cold. I would see a movie called... Um, uh, hmm. I wouldn't really see a movie called Ice Cold. That's a terrible Fast title. Car. We could use like some Swedish pop gang Pop Gangster isn't that bad, but it's <laughs> it, it, you probably would think of like Cardi B. <laughs> what if we had a Swedish singer-songwriter doing like an acoustic version of uh, like... Hit me, baby. a fast car. Yes. Fast I want to take it to anywhere, 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 anywhere. That's Jose Gonzalez's whole thing, right? I guess. Um, oh, Max Martin is the one. Max Martin is a Swedish sense. I, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Any song you love in the past 30 years is probably him. Jose Gabriel Gonzalez is a Swedish Argentinian indie folk singer, songwriter, hey. and guitarist from Gothenburg, Sweden. He will do a cover of Fast Car for this movie. Okay. Well, listen, don't sympathize with your captors, but do sympathize with Shoot This Now. Give us five stars on iTunes. Uh, leave us amazing reviews. Um, or, you know what? You leave us, you, you can rate us fresh or tomato, but just give us five stars. How about that? And y'all, we could have done this whole thing talking about Jan Eric Olsen <laughs> and, and Clark's Olafsson, and you would have been so bored. But and now you get to fantasize about Bill Skarsgård and Army Hammer running around a bank vault, getting prime ministers on the phone, singing Killing Me Softly. You're welcome. Oh, maybe we should have a Lauren Hill cameo. Sure. Yeah, great. Um, I would like to leave you with the only <laughs> Swedish phrase I know. Uh-oh, okay. Jag vill inte slås. Which means? I don't want to fight. How beautiful. <laughs>